0: god exist i think that's a question that most of us have asked ourselves one time or another whether you're christian jew muslim hindu atheist agnostic you've probably asked yourself sometime in your life does god exist and as you listen to this now you might firmly be able to say yes you might firmly be able to say no and some of you might be somewhere in between. But that's what we're here today to talk about. We're in the process of discussing 20 arguments for the existence of God from the book Handbook of Christian Apologetics by Peter Kreeft and Ronald Tasselli. And today we're talking about argument number two. Now, if you've listened to the last podcast, you'll know that I was not a big fan of the first argument. Which was the argument from Change. In fact, I actually hated that argument. And if you haven't listened to it, go back. It's two episodes prior to this one. Um, You can hear what I think of it. And you can tell me what you think of it. So, again, that's two episodes prior to this one. Uh, Go back, listen to it, and let me know. But today, we are going to talk about the second argument in this book, and it's called the argument from efficient causality. It's not casualty. It's efficient causality. What is efficient causality? Well, that's just a fancy way of saying cause and effect. It's an argument from cause and effect. So why'd they call it? The argument from efficient causality? Well, because they're both professors of philosophy and they have to make it sound fancy. But for us, it's cause and effect. I suppose if you want to try to impress someone, you can call it the argument from efficient causality, but that's up to you. Sure, go ahead, be my guest. So let's talk about this argument. Now everyone knows what cause and effect is. Um, In the book, they give the example of a man playing the piano is causing the music that we hear. If he stops, so does the music. Now, we can apply this to anything, really. Everything has a cause and effect. Um, And I really can't think of anything that doesn't. Uh, I mean, if you're the atheist, you're going to save the universe. But as far as within the material world... I can't think of anything, and that's one of the strong points of this argument: is that there's nothing that spontaneously arose in this universe. But we'll probably talk about that later. Uh, for right now, let's really try to break down this argument. Now, let's um, let's go back to the example of an acorn and an acorn tree, and the last argument that's what they used uh, for the argument of change. So, let's just go back to that for, you know, old time's sake. So, we have an acorn. Where'd the acorn come from? It came from an oak tree. Where'd that oak tree come from? Well, it came from an acorn. Where'd that acorn come from? Well, it came from another oak tree. Where'd that oak tree come from? It came from another acorn. We can go back and back and back and back and back. All the way until we come to the very first oak tree that ever existed but then we have to ask where'd that oak tree come from well i'm not a botanist so i don't know but even if oak trees evolved from different kinds of trees well we can go back and say well where'd that tree come from so on and so forth until we get to the very first tree or actually the very first plant we can say where did that plant come from Um, And we can actually go further back, all the way to the universe, the beginning of the universe, and we can ask, where did the universe come from? And I believe this is one of the strengths that this argument has, that the argument from change didn't, and that's taking the step from the material to the immaterial. So we can go back to the beginning of the universe and say, what caused the universe. Well, we can either say it has a material cause, like a uh multi-universe machine, but even if that's the case, then we can ask where did that machine come from? Um and I guess there might be hypothetically a machine that makes multiverse machines, but then where'd that come from? And so on and so forth. We can keep going backward, but we can't keep going backward indefinitely because it's impossible to have an infinite number of material things. That's because time and space are limited, and material things have to exist within time and space, but time and space aren't eternal, um, and they're not infinite. So if we could have an infinite number of material things, then it'd have to exist within an infinite amount of space. And that just simply doesn't exist. But let's say that you're going to argue that time, space, and material does exist eternally, and it exists indefinitely. Well, then you'd be arguing against the second law of thermodynamics. That's a hard word for me to say. Uh, But that's also called the law of entropy. And that just says that energy is constantly being used up. And as it gets used up, it becomes useless. So if we have a material world, and by energy, I mean um, things give off heat, material items give off heat. Uh, humans burn calories, the sun burns its gases, everything's made up of atoms. And those atoms are being used to create energy. And once that energy is used up, it's useless. So, regardless of what that material item is, uh, whether it's a human or a multiverse machine, energy is constantly being used up and there's only a certain amount of energy available and if it existed eternally then it would already be used up. Um, So, back to this argument. One of the merits that this argument has is that I think eventually we have to take a step from the material world into the immaterial world, because having an eternal material world is just impossible. So we have to ask ourselves, where did this material world come from? What caused this material world? And it doesn't matter what we mean by material world. We can either mean this universe, or we can mean a multiverse machine, or we can mean Anything that we want it to mean, as long as it's material. Eventually, we have to ask ourselves, what caused all this material? And it can't be more material stuff, because, well, material stuff can't be eternal or timeless. Which means it has to come from somewhere that is eternal and timeless. Um, and immaterial. And we also have to keep in mind that um, the material world is not self-caused. Uh, even though some people claim that it is, uh, it's not. I mean, who has ever experienced anything spontaneously coming into existence? No one. No one has ever experienced anything spontaneously coming into existence and but yet people argue that the universe spontaneously came into existence out of nothing now that's just absurd why is it absurd because how can something come into existence out of nothing when we don't experience things coming into existence out of something i mean at least in the world right now we have materials, we have atoms, we have all the components that actually can come together to make something. In the world that we live in now, we at least have all the elements that we don't understand on the periodic table. We have all of those things around us. So at least in that sense, all those things can come together to spontaneously create something, but we don't experience that. I'll make it even easier. Um, say I want a new car. Well, if I go to the junkyard, there's axles, there's wheels, there's tires, there's windshields, there's metal galore. Um, there's gas tanks, there's mufflers. Why don't I see all that stuff coming together to create a new car spontaneously? At least it's there. Out, at least I can go to a junkyard and see it I could I could go to a new car dealership I guess more appropriately a car factory and I could sit there and see all the new components of a brand new car and I could just wait for them to come together naturally um, and spontaneously create a new car but we don't see that and we don't actually expect that to happen it's 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 common sense why would we expect that to happen if we know it wouldn't happen when it's easy to do if we have all the car parts in front of us and it still doesn't come together why would we expect it to happen when it's harder to do let's take the car parts away and reduce it down to atoms and elements why would we expect a new car to appear spontaneously in front of us out of nothing but those atoms and elements and then why would we expect it if we took those atoms and elements away and had absolutely nothing why would we expect an entire universe with planets suns solar systems galaxies galore Why would we expect that to pop into existence out of nothing? Like, literally nothing. Nothing means no thing. But yet, some people think that happens. I I don't understand that. I, I can't follow that train of thought. We don't expect something to spontaneously come into existence when it's easy to do. But we're willing to say that everything came into existence when it's impossible to do. I just don't get that. It doesn't work for me. And I would say it just flat out doesn't work. I I think the ultimate reason is that people want to deny the existence of God so much that they have to argue from absurdity in order to try to make their point. But I think they just look foolish. Especially when these people claim to be reasonable, to be logical, and to say they think things through, well, I would disagree. Very strongly. Now, one of these objections in this book says, Why not have an endless series of caused causes stretching backward into the past? Now, I touched on this just a little with the... uh endless number of material things but they're talking about an endless series of caused causes and that's slightly nuanced so we'll talk about that some now it's actually impossible to have an infinite series of anything for example let's take the claim that the universe is eternal Uh, Well, for the universe to be eternal, there would have to be an infinite number of days. But, if there are an infinite number of days, then we will have never gotten to today. Uh, Why do I say that? Because if we go back an infinite number of days, then there's always an additional day that we can go back. No matter how far we go back, we can always go back one more and say... Say we go back in time to an infinite time in the past, and a day goes by. How far are we now in the past? Well, infinity plus 1 is infinity, so we're still in infinite time in the past. Now say a whole week goes by. What's infinity plus 7? Well, I guess it'd be negative infinity since we went in the past. So what's negative infinity plus 7? Well, it's still negative infinity. Now, let's say an infinite time goes by. So, here we are in the past, in the infinite time in the past, and an infinite time goes by. So, what's negative infinity plus infinity? Well, it could either be negative infinity, or the answer could be infinity, but it's still some version of infinity. I like how Dr. William Lane Craig explains it. Say I have an infinite number of marbles, and I give you all my marbles. How many marbles do you have? You have an infinite number of marbles. I have zero. So infinity minus infinity equals zero. Now, let's say I have an infinite number of marbles, and I give you every even marble. So I'm counting, I say one, one's for me, then number two is for you, number three is for me, number four is for you, and I go on and on and on and on. I give you all the even marbles. So how many marbles do you have? Well, you have an infinite number of marbles, and I have an infinite number of marbles, even though I've given you half my marbles, so infinity minus infinity equals infinity in that case now let's say again that i have an infinite number of marbles and i give you all my marbles except three i hold on to three i give you the rest infinity minus infinity equals three at that point so there's three examples and we came up with different answers even though it's the same equation We have infinity minus infinity equals zero, we have infinity minus infinity equals infinity, and we have infinity minus infinity equals three. So when we deal with actual infinites, we get contradictory answers. So infinites in reality just simply cannot exist. Now you might say that infinites can exist in reality we just don't understand the concepts around infinity but the problem is that we do understand infinity quite well um infinite set theory uh, in math is an area of mathematics that we really know a lot about and it's precisely because we know a lot about infinite set theory That we know that infinite numbers in reality just simply cannot exist. And if you think that everything in mathematics corresponds to reality, well, have you ever heard of an imaginary number? But that's beside the point. The point is that an infinite number of things cannot actually exist. We talked about this with um, material items. So it's... Physically, uh, by physically I mean uh, based on physics, the law of entropy demands that it's impossible. Um, We looked now at mathematics and how that's impossible. So it's just impossible to have an infinite number of anything. So once again, we need something that's timeless, immaterial, eternal, And immaterial, um, we need that something to exist in order for us to have time, space, and material. And I see no other way around it. And I think that the people who deny the need for a timeless, eternal, and immaterial, let's just say being... Because that's what we tend to go with. Um, People who deny the need for that are denying the truth. They actually don't want something to exist outside this world and to some degree outside of themselves. They don't want there to be that being that exists um, that created them. But yet, that's kind of the point that we're at. With this argument, we're at the point that there is something outside this material world that created the universe and ultimately created them. They just don't want to acknowledge it. So that's the argument, and uh, that's all the time I'm going to take on it today. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Go It or go to the website, wordpress.gothinkonit.com. Subscribe to the podcast, and we'll talk to you later.